Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Um, we've got no interview this week, but we will have one next week. So what we're doing this week, and we're going to be doing this every alternate week, is we are going to be doing kind of like a little bit of a news and reviews uh, thing. And um, I'm going to start off um, with, with a couple of news stories, which we'll sort of like read through and uh, discuss in turn. And joining me for this uh, grand adventure, as always, is Raisa. Hey. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Okay, well, the first bit of news, and this is quite a funny one, really, is uh, apparently there is an Action Man movie in development, and it's going to be coming to us from the uh, director of The uh, Muppets. Um, Now, this is kind of a funny one, you know, given that we had the G.I. Joe films a couple of years ago, which weren't, weren't, weren't all that good, really, didn't do too good. And, and now we've got the Action Man things. Now, the, uh-huh. difference, the difference is the Action Man toys are no longer on toy shelves. They, they were discontinued quite some time ago. So the only people that, I have, that would actually have an actual Action Man now are, are connectors. Yeah, in fact, I, I'm, I don't think Action Man took off here the way it maybe did there. So. Well, I remember my big brother having one, and I inherited, one, inherited it off my big brother. And I remember the trainers for it. Because the trainers, you know, when when they used to do the tie adverts for it, it used to be Action Man, <laughs> and, you know, and 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 used to think, um, you know, this guy got an itch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, apparently it says that there's been rumours of an Action Man movie that've been actually knocking around since 2012 when Hasbro signed a deal to create films based on the Popping Kids toy, along with plans for Hungry Hungry Hippos and Monopoly spin-offs. Can you, imagine uh-huh. Monop- can you imagine a Monopoly film being like uh, being like Wall Street, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. It, I, I've been, I heard about the Hungry Hungry Hippos and, and the um, Monopoly plans mm. a while ago, but the Action Man's new. But yeah, Hasbro was basically going going ape you know, for mm. all the wrong reasons. I, I'm just actually wondering is, you know, if the Monopoly film is actually over two hours long, do you get £200? Oh, God. You know? <laughs> You probably should. You, you know, so if you sit, if you can sit through the Monopoly film for two hours, you should get two hundred pounds. It should make that a rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that that's a that that's an interesting, uh, fun little story. Um, another one that um, I I found is to do the new uh, the new Han Solo movie. Um, yeah, I I I've read that the. Trailer, which I reviewed again last night, I kind of liked it, you know, as a as a standard modern action movie trailer. Um, but I can see why people are nonplussed. 
you know, uh, the Star Wars movies haven't been classic Star Wars movies for some time now. You know what it is? You know, it's basically because people have all these expectations surrounding these characters. Um, like uh, with Luke Skywalker, they expected him to become the overpowered, pure as driven snow Jedi that he became in the books. You know, uh-huh. they, they didn't want Luke Skywalker to be more than in a way. I actually liked The Last Jedi because Luke Skywalker had sort of like uh, kind of lost his faith in the Force and stuff like that. Uh, to me, that was actually quite realistic, you know, given, given what happened. But, you know, with the Han Solo movie, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it looks pretty good, and I'm 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 kind of looking forward to see, seeing what it turns out like. Um, oh, I, I'm I'm definitely going to see it, but um, with the removal of the big three from the films, one way or another, now I'm basically not going to go to the theater for any of them anymore. Um, mm. They're going to be rent, they're going to be rentals for me. Well, well, to be honest, I'm going to the theater for them. Um, but the sim- simple fact is. Uh, these modern movies have actually been, for me, much better than the prequel trilogy. And well, anything would have been better than the prequel trilogy. Well, so. well yeah, but for, for me, for my money, you know, going going to see them at the theatres is actually a better value than see going to see the prequel trilogy at the theatres. Mm. And thank God I never went to the theatres to see the prequel trilogy because <sighs> I would have been really disappointed. And and to be honest, I don't see, I don't go to the cinemas that that much anymore or maybe go two three times a year and most yeah, films I, I, I think maybe i go six times a year if that <clears throat> anyway the um the, the the story here is about the han solo movies is amelia clark um who uh plays daenerys as we know she's finally opening up about her badass character in solo a star wars story um and ba- basically she's opened up about the uh, star wars character for the first time and she says that um, once we can get past all these adverts and trainers and stuff, <laughs> um, she 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 basically um, she basically says that uh, Query's journey is definitely one of survival and strength. I'm not sure if I'm enunciating the name right. Um, she says the way the way that I feel about her was yeah, this girl has got a, got a core of steel. Whilst it is Han Solo's movie. This girl gets to be badass and strong and has her own journey. And awesome. that's yeah. basically, she basically adds to that, um, that a theme, you know, that, that she's going to be a female presence, uh, which, which, which they're pretty, which she's pretty happy about. And, uh, she adds that there is a female presence in this movie. Uh, Han Solo is only surrounded by strong women. Mm. Sort of thing. Well, what I'm a bit concerned about here is I'm, I'm, I'm all for him being surrounded by strong women, but uh, what I'm a bit worried about is him being surrounded by strong Mary Sues. Mm-hmm. There, there is that. There is that. Um, for me, it's going to boil down to... Um, it, it's going to boil down to how they handle Lando Calrissian. Because um, that actor is... Pretty, I'll give him that, but he's not—he's not Billy Dee Williams pretty. And, and granted, they were not going to find Billy Dee Williams pretty because Billy Dee Williams was old school Hollywood, and you just don't find old school Hollywood uh, these days much anymore um, in terms of the aesthetic. Yeah, Donald and, Donald Glover, the actor that plays Nando, I've actually seen him in other stuff, and he's really, really good. Um, the, the perform the performance level stuff will make up for it because the aesthetic yeah. doesn't quite match up. 
Well, you know, he's a young, he's a young Gandalf. So you know, any 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 young version of any character that we're going to see in the original trilogy is going to be a little rough around the edges. True. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm quite I can I can go in, you know, and and I can be quite happy to you know to sort of like watch and 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 see that through because you know the Han Solo we meet in in a New Hope has been kicking around for quite a few years. As, as is Lando we meet in, in Empire Strikes Back. Um, and also the storyline for the Solo movie is basically, um, they're basically borrowed from the books. Um, in the books, uh, Han Solo, um, as, a, as a young man, uh, joins, the, um, jo- joins the Empire. He joins the, 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 the Empire Navy, so, you know, Navy and uh-huh. gets thrown out. And it's basically that storyline, along with uh, the mission that gets him thrown out, which is how he meets Chewie on Kashyyyk. Ah. And, and 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 stuff like that. So it's so I, I'm I'm quite interested to see it because I've actually never read that that series of books. Whereas you've got a, a, another legion of Star Wars films. I've read that series of books and I'll go see it and I'll be judging the movie take by take. And if it doesn't live up to their expectations of the book, you know that you know they're in trouble. Ah. I think it's you know I, it's a movie. It's you know it's not a religious experience, and and um, and, I, and I think you know pe- people that that are, are treating these films as a religious experience probably need to take a bit of a reality check. Yeah, and, and even if and even if they're not prepared to take a reality check now, the fact that Disney is going to franchise the hell out of Star Wars is going to force them to take a reality check because mm-hmm. uh, the, the the franchisization of these of these uh, storylines is going to lead to some narrative degradation at some point in the process. It's just, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, they're just going to have to cope. Well, you know, what will probably likely happen is, um, you know, in, in a few years from now, they'll probably end up rebooting the old lot. Um, and this is the other, the other thing, yeah. You know, so it's, and that, that's, that's even if it's still around in, in, in a few years from now, because that, not at the moment, for the last sort of like 10 or 20 years, the trendy movie has been sort of like franchising and um, and and stuff like that, and and that all that could all change. It could, yeah. it could. We don't know what's going to happen uh, next day. Anyway, another bit of news, and this is a this is a favourite subject of yours. Um, apparently, Stephen Moffat has released original Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary scripts with the Ninth Doctor in for charity. And basically, Doctor Who fans can finally get an insight into how the show's 50th anniversary special might have played out if Christopher Eccleston had agreed to return. Stephen Moffat included the Ninth Doctor in his first draft of The Day of the Doctor, but rewrote the script to feature John Hurt's War Doctor when Eccleston declined to appear. And the story goes on. uh, The episode will appear in... A second Target for Tommy, a collection of Doctor Who short stories being published by Obverse Books, which, with all proceeds, go into support of Tommy Donabavand, who is battling cancer. Uh, The book follows the original original Target for Tommy, which was published in 2016. Um, As well as Moffat's exclusive script excerpt, A Piece of Doctor Who History... A second target for Tommy will feature stories from over two dozen more writers. Uh, the collection is available to buy from Obverse Books. That's O B V E R S 
e-books um, with an e-book of the, of, the, of the first target for Tommy, and it's and it's still available to put. It's still available to purchase. Um, so you can basically go to um, go to the blog Tommy versus Cancer, and, and find out information there. So that's okay. pretty cool. That actually, he, that basically just confirmed something that that fans have suspected for some time that that was always supposed to be uh, Eccleston's role, and he simply turned it down. Um, but I'm okay with that because that gave us John Hurt as the War Doctor, and it led to some awesome, it led to a, a lovely 50th anniversary special and some awesome stuff for Big Finish. Mm-hmm. So, you no, know, everything works out the way it's meant to in the end. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I I don't really get Eccleston's attitude. I mean, he could he could have come back for it. It wouldn't have done him any harm to have come back for the one one dot two special. But you know, um, by by the same token, um, he he it's so like he he probably feels it probably damaged acting career as he become too typecast for the one thing. But I just don't I just don't get the attitude. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Um. I mean, if, if you if you play a role like that and decide it's not for you and leave after one year or a year and a half or whatever, that's fine. Lots of lots of actors do that, but but to sort of shove shove the franchise that gave you a job for that year, however long, you know, uh, in the dustbin and and do your best to poo poo it or forget about it, um, doesn't make any sense. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you may not like the culture of the people that I was working with on the show. But at the end of the day, it's not—it's not necessarily a snub, not snub towards them. It's a snub toward the fandom that actually, you know, supported him for that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and he's—and he should—he should be happy that he helped facilitate bringing a, a franchise back that that people love. I mean, we may have issues with some of the individual narrative choices with these various doctors' tenures, but the overall thing is something that. You know, many of us have been fans of for decades, and you know he should be happy to have played a part in bringing it back, even if, even if, like I said, overall it wasn't something that was his bag at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the impression I get of Eccleston is that he's a bit of a a drama queen, regardless. What what happened with him and Doctor Who is something that happens a lot with him. He's a, he tends to he tends to be a bit of a thespian, and that's that's his problem. Mm. I'd, I'd say not so much anymore because he's so like uh, he's done a lot of work with Peter Bowker, who's a you know dramatist over here in the UK, and um, you know Peter Bowker's done a lot of uh, quite quite challenging dramas um, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And his, his latest one's called The A Word, which is about uh, the the family of um, a kid with autism, and uh, in it Peter Eccleston plays a grandfather, and he's brilliant. <laughs> He's bringing in this role, you know, he plays the grandfather, and the grandfather probably seems, you know, more artistic than than than, than the little boy who's called Joe. <laughs> so, oh wow! Um, so it's sort of like it's um it's it's quite quite a fun series that, and um it's 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 stuck he's stuck with that one for two seasons, and I don't think he's he's likely to be leaving that one in the third season because he's such a key component of that one. And it's yeah, actually the first yeah. time he's actually been cast as a grandparent as well. So, <laughs> so, <it's a> <laughs> so maybe he's maybe he's grown up a bit. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's a case of he's grown up um, as such. I got I, I just got a feeling that he didn't feel challenged by 
by playing the Doctor, or he didn't feel challenged by 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 uh, playing the role that he played in Cracker, because he left after one season of Cracker as well. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. So you know, I think you know, there's, prob- there's probably various different reasons that that you know we don't know about. We'd we'd actually have to sit with him and get his confidence, find out exactly what they were. Yeah, yeah. Even even so, at the end, at the end of the day, whatever whatever his rationale was, uh, the fact that he doesn't want to come back, it gave us John Hurt as the War Doctor, who is um, probably my second most favorite modern Doctor, next to Twelve. So mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it, it worked out in the end. It did. Okay, on to um on to sort of like um our, our reviews. Um we'll start off with um Star Trek Discovery, Will You Take My Hand? Which is the uh, first one. Um and in this um in, in this with Giorgio of the helm um of of the plan to end the Klingon War once and for all, the USS Discovery crew struggles to fathom or tolerate her hostile tactics. Memories of past hardships are rekindled within Burnham. Um, I like this episode. I like this episode, and this episode um, justified this reboot to me. It, uh, this, this, epi- this, this episode showed us what it is we, we've been sitting through for the previous 14 episodes. Yeah, I mean, so, by, by the end of it, you, you get the real sense that we're heading towards... The, um, the Federation and Starfleet that we come to love and know in, in the original series through TNG and beyond. Yeah, yeah, and for the, for the first time, it, it doesn't feel quite as alternate universe as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still say that the um, that um, Ash Tyler, the Vogue Ash Tyler situation, is going to be the precursor to the um, the more human looking. Klingons that we were used to in the classic series. Like there's going to be an offshoot that adheres to him and chooses to follow him by going through that procedure themselves, minus the sleeper agent bits. Uh-huh. Which could lead to the evolution of the Klingons as we know them in in, in the future. Um, Correct. I mean, we don't know about that yet. I mean, it would be nice if they did that, given that, you know, I've not really been too happy with the with the look of the new Klingons, um, no, they're they've been a bit of a stumbling block. I basically just had to forget they look like that in order to just deal with the storyline. Um, the 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 aesthetic is not going to change. I think that's that's been locked in, and we're just going to have to lump it. Um, the narrative going on around that aesthetic has grown on me over the course of those fifteen episodes, and I I actually care what happens to these people now. I I do. I mean, I I thought it made perfect sense the vote. But, sorry for tying her to go off with uh, a morale at the end. Yeah. It made sense, you know, because he, he, he could have been, you know, he's kind of like that liaison between the Klingons and humanity because he's yeah. sort of like, he's kind of like the ultimate expat, if you will. He's kind of like, uh, he's he's had his feet in both worlds, so he can see things from both points of view and uh, and help Norel Find 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 um find find middle ground. Yes, yes. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting though because it, she's basically holding the houses together by threatening to blow up their homeworld. So it's going to be interesting to see how long that tactic remains a viable tactic. You know, before she has to shift to something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that that would be interesting. I, mean, I also liked uh, Burnham's storyline. If you look at it from this part of view. 
in the first in the first episode, Burnham, you know, mutinies. Yes. And she doesn't have the consensus on her side. The crew is not on her side. She's not able to make a compelling enough argument to get the crew on her side. And, and thus she feels she has to mutiny sort of thing. Whereas, you know, she comes full circle in this episode last night when she finds out what Giorgio's plan is and yeah. um, and that staff need has condoned it. She has to get the consensus in order to stop Giorgio's plan from happening and, and fi- find another way. And uh, for me, that, that, was, uh, that was Burnham coming full circle. Yes, you know? she, yes. She's, she's flawed. She's learned from her mistakes. She's come full circle. She's managed to get the consensus and the crew behind her. And, and thus, you know, she's able to um, help find another way with the help of uh, of Tyler to, to yes. end the conflict. Yes, yes. And I I I really I love that that, that whole that whole speech of hers was brilliant. Um the fact that they brought um uh, Jane Jane Brooke back as as Cornwall was was lovely and to have you know her finish out Cornwall's arc mm. uh, considering everything that she she's been through in like the handful of episodes we got her in. Mm. And um I also have to say, I loved that we finally got Burnham and Sarek again, and we mm-hmm. actually saw that relationship, and we and we got to see Amanda again. And I have to say, I've, I've thought about this for a lot of years, but it, it hasn't been until this iteration of Star Trek that you fully understand how eccentric Sarek actually is, mm-hmm. because none of the other iterations confront the fact that he. Uh, married a human woman. They, they they sort of they, it's obvious that they tolerated it, but no one ever discussed it as such. And this was the first iteration where they actually went underneath that and went, "Ooh, that is weird for a Vulcan to do." And the, the implications of that and the and the fallout from that were, you know, as 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 his arc and his and Burnham's arc was kind of wonderful, actually. In, you know the the, the whole the Bur- Burnham arc as well. Um, if you think about it, uh, discovery in the title was basically being about Burnham discovering her humanity because yes. she's quite stoic at the start at the offset. You know, e- yes. even even after having served under Giorgio for so many years, she's still got quite a lot of Vulcan qualities about her. And yes. yeah, o- o- over the course of the uh, course of the series, she's sort of like slowly but surely been opening up to 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 a more human side, which was nicely bookended by that conversation she has at the end with Amanda. Uh, but what I also I also like the speech about about them being torchbearers that you, yes. you you must be the light for the change that you want to bring. You know, you must light away. And yeah. um, in in order to sort of like um, get that consensus and to bring people with you, and I just thought that was such a great, you know, it's a brilliant bit, of, you know, it's a brilliant speech, and it was a really nice bit of writing. And yeah, we're going to get a lot of right wingers going, oh, it's been my all the social justice worries. Ah. I think so that's what? the way Star Trek has always been, though. Yeah. It always has been 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 that, um, but I think I think in this day and age, it's. It's more blatantly that. Yes. Um, yeah. Whereas and, yeah. before, my, it never my one, my one, my one issue structurally is we we've had one season 
in which we had essentially one captain for Discovery. And my, my biggest fear is that it's going to turn into Harry Potter, you know, where Harry Potter had a different defense against the dark arts teacher every, every year. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they avoid that. I'm hoping that whoever they get to replace uh, Lorca sticks around a while. Yeah, I can't see it being Saru. No, it's not going to be him. It, it just gonna... cannot be Saru because it's all like if it's if it's if it's Saru, it just makes no sense for him to be the uh, be be the uh, captain. No, he he makes a good interim captain, and he's obviously learned. I mean, Saru's arc throughout the throughout the arc throughout the season has been remarkable too, and he's you know come a long way. But he's not captain material yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he may never be. I don't know. You know, it's. I'm still fascinated by the way how how, how Doug Jones manages to walk in those heels, in, in those hoofs. It's just it's it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking, good God. Um, you know, thankfully when he's walking around in those hoofs, his scenes are really short. But wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed it. I think it tied up the season nicely. Uh, what I'd like to see in the second season, obviously, we got the Enterprise One Seven Zero One. Yes. Oh, with Pike. Bless. With Pike. I I have to say the one thing, even though I even though I had some some issues with initially with what they were doing, um, the one area that they consistently shown in, um, regardless of some of the narrative choices, is casting. Mm-hmm. The casting has been stellar, and I and if they keep the same level of um, attention to the casting that they had in the first season, the actor that they get to play Pike is going to nail it. Yeah, they need to get. I think they need to get a young, you know, a fairly youngish-looking sort of like Jeffrey Hunter look like. Yes, yeah, which which won't be hard because Jeffrey Hunter was classic Hollywood, so they just have to find the modern version of that, and they'll they'll be good to go. Yeah. So because the uh, the the guy that they had play Pike in the uh, in the movies, you know, he he didn't get there. For me, for me, he didn't work. He was kind of like an older version. Um, he was kind of like maybe what Pike would have been had he not had the accident in, in the fire and everything. Yes, maybe. yes. But, um, for that movie and for that particular part of the Star Trek universe, he worked. But I think the Pike in this universe has to be sort of like a reminiscent of the Pike that we that we, we know and love. Uh, what I'm surprised that they didn't do, I'm surprised they didn't actually go with the uh, first Enterprise captain. Yes, Robert, Robert April. April. You know? Yeah. Because if they'd gone with that, that that would have been something that no other series has done. Cause the yeah, only... and then they, they could have charted their own course because they had nothing to go with. Yeah. yeah. And, and because the only time we've ever seen Robert April is in the animated series, which right. Gene Roddenberry never really considered to be to be canon. Mm. Sort of thing. I don't I don't think it's considered to be canon now. I think back back in the day, it wasn't really considered canon. It was just sort of like a a bit of wish fulfillment to do a bit more Star Trek at the time, mm-hmm. you know, because it was uh, the only thing that they could get through. Um, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year because obviously, um, if we've got the Enterprise One Seven Zero One, we've got Pike. Then we've also we're also probably going to see Spock as well. Yes, a very young Spock. Yeah. And unless Spock didn't join Pike until his second five year mission. Yeah. I- yeah, that'll be interesting. Because this is, this would be Pike's first five-year mission, because remember, it's set ten years before Kirk. That's right, that's right. So, you know, 
So we don't know how long, you know, in the cage. We don't know whether that takes place five years before Kirk or ten years before Kirk. No, they they didn't specify, and, and that's not their fault because they weren't they weren't thinking that far ahead at the time. It was just a pilot that got repurposed. Yeah. So. Okay, so um, oh, um, if you mark it out of five, four point five. Yeah, I I probably go a little bit higher. I go with a four point nine. You know, it's sort of like uh, there, there, there's obvious, there's obvious still room for room for improvement. But you know, I I just liked it. I loved the whole sort of like uh, Orion sort of like traders on 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 the Klingon homeworld, and I loved the fact that we didn't that that the part of the Klingon homeworld that we seen wasn't sort of like the great halls and the great sort of like uh, the you know the great you know in in all the other prior Star Trek shows. Whenever we got, went to Klingon Homeworld, we've never actually seen where the citizens hang out. It's always been in the great halls and and in the great political, you know, offices and and stuff like that. We've never seen the streets of Kronos. And you know, and, and I have to say that the episode was worth it just to watch uh, Michelle Yeoh have fun on the streets of Kronos. Oh, right, yeah. Michelle Michelle Yeoh just went to town with that entire role. And it was awesome. Oh, she's bringing. I hope they bring her back. Yeah, you know they they've got to bring her back in some way <laughs> in in the future of it. Um, you know may, may, maybe she maybe she will team up with Harry Mudd or something. I don't I, know. I said that, that was my first thought. She's got to meet Harry Mudd because he's still out there. So yeah, well he's out there, but he's with his nagging wife, isn't he? You know. Yes, he's still out. So <laughs> so yeah. may, may, maybe maybe she rescues him from his nagging wife. <laughs> <laughs> But I just, um, I just thought Michelle Yeoh, um, and I thought, well, when when Tiggy was sort of like, you know, gently refusing it, and she goes, oh no no no, she's for me. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Um, oh god, you know, and I just sort of like um, thought, cool, and you know, doesn't Michelle Yeoh look absolutely fantastic considering her age? Oh my god, yes. I mean, she, like, she's I, what? She must I be. I don't. I don't know what she's eating and drinking, but she looks really good. She she must be in her mid fifties now. Yeah. You know. It's, it's it's obvious she's not an ingenue, but she's holding on really well. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, she's you know, she and she still kicks butt too. Yeah. I mean, it's all like her. But I um I, I enjoyed the episode. So four point nine for me, four point five for you. I'd say that's a pretty good mark. Yeah. So now on to the uh, librarians and the echoes of memory. Yeah, and unfortunately we don't know whether to call this a season finale or a series finale, and we haven't gotten word yet on what the deal is. I'm hoping it's a season finale because I would like a fifth. I would like a fifth season really, really badly. I'm I'm not... I'm, I'm hoping it's a season finale, but if it is a series finale, I'm quite happy with the way it ended. It, it works as a series finale. I'll accept it as a series finale. I'll, I would simply prefer it not to be. Um, I'm not quite ready to let these characters go yet. Um, primarily because the arc for this season was very underwhelming. And they've got some avenues left to explore. So Yeah, they've got plenty of avenues left to explore. And, you know, the thing is, as, as you and I have been pointing out all season long, they don't, they don't really need to have... Well, they do now because they're now tethered. But yeah. they, they didn't really need to have... Uh, Baird as, as a permanent guardian, you know, no. because unlike, um, obviously, Jake Stone's up to the task. You know, yes. he, he could be both both an librarian and a guardian because he's like he's got, got the skill set to do both. Yeah. He's pra- perhaps the only person in that library that does have the skill set to do both. 
I'm, I'm glad that they bought uh, bought Jenkins back. Oh, God, yes. I mean, yeah. if they hadn't, I would have said goodbye even if it had been renewed. I wouldn't have been willing to watch it after that. Yeah. Um, I, I got really attached to Jenkins. Um, and, and he represented their version of the Arthurian legends, which I really wish – I mean, they went and gave us Psychotic Lancelot played by Matt Frewer. We, who we in this season found out was the legit, was the father of you know of Galahad, which is you know following the the literature because Lancelot is the illegitimate father of, of of Galahad, and they never actually dealt with that. You know the, the two of them interacted and and uh, and Sunny Boy actually took out Dad. You know in the, in the sword fight at the end, but they never actually acknowledged it, and that would have been a massive character beat. Plus, we still don't know what their version of the Arthurian legends is in its entirety. They never actually gave us a flashback episode where they just played through it no, they, and gave us what their version was. They didn't, and I, I, I do, I do think you're right. I think they need to do that. They need to do that to to sort of like close that close those new sends off because you know obviously we had the um, the the lady from you know the the guardian from that, from last season who left an ivory. I forget her yes. name now. Um, she she was actually Guinevere, and that was actually sort of like um, noted in in, yes. in the season that that she was Guinevere, and yeah. it was also noted that uh, that that Jenkins had had a had a bit of a, a, th- a thing for her, a thing yeah. for her, you know, yeah. which which is kind of weird when you think about it. You know, Arthur, Lancelot, Guinevere, and Gangahad. It's a, yeah. it's a little bit disturbing, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, but it probably wouldn't be if they gave us their version mm-hmm. and straightened it out and, and showed us where things were different or, you know, or not or whatever. But because they haven't done that, you know, we're, we're looking at this with the only context we have, which is the canon story. Um, and, we're, and we're looking at it going, this is just odd, you know. Plus, Judson was inferred to be Merlin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what... What did, what, what did that look like? Yeah. I mean, and and, when, and when, when we met Morgan Le Fay in that one episode, um, she was actually, I mean, yes, she was causing problems and she and she was hurting people, but she within that context, she was actually seemed to be one of the saner, you know, one of the saner folks. She was actually saner than Lancelot turned out to be. Uh-huh. You know, she was just trying to get out of the way. And, um, you know, and, and so we need that context, you know, but by the same token, while she was saner than Lancelot, um, Jenkins, when he, he looked, you know, took one look at her and completely wigged out and, and went into kill die bitch mode, uh-huh. um, which for him is not a small thing. So obviously she really, really, really did a number on, on Camelot before it fell. So we we need that story. Yeah, I think we do, and um, you know, I think that I think a good way they could actually tell that story um, would be to sort of like uh, would be to sort of maybe have one of uh, Jenkins's D and D sessions with that group of nerds that he's hanging out with. The, the problem is that they because they went back in time and and, and undid everything that didn't happen though. Oh man, yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> Yeah, because my because my big thing is he's no longer the dungeon. He's no longer the Dungeons and Dragons master. Plus that adorable kid that that um, that uh, Cassandra befriended in that town. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't go to that town now. Yeah, but you know, you know what, you know what this opens the door to. What? It opens the door to them actually using the same scripts over again next season. 
so so they could actually have those two episodes again, only frame them slightly differently. <laughs> yes, you know, they could. But they could. To, I, save, to save money. I know? hope they don't. <laughs> I hope they don't. Because <laughs> um, I mean, the overall arc may have been weak this season, but I, I did like the character. I did like the character beats. So it's kind of a, a sad thing to lose them. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I love that. I loved that standalone episode with Jenkins. It was just so like. Um, it was, it, and, and it gave John Larroquette a chance to really just go to town. It was mm-hmm. freaking awesome. It was it, insane. It was. I mean, I, I like I like watching John Marrakech go to town in anything that he that that he gets a chance to song like uh, be 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 the be the front and centre off. Yeah. I mean, you know, I loved him playing the father in the Tenth Kingdom. All those years. That was ago. great. That was great. Um, yes. You know, but there's also a film that he did um, years ago. You know, even before that, called One Special Victory, where he he plays a lawyer and he gets into trouble and he ends up sort of like. Um, Having to coach um, a, a, a a basketball team made up of sort of like uh, a mixture of disabled and learn you know people with learning difficulties, you know, and oh, wow. including that it was called one special victory. So that's probably one one that's a uh, you know worth looking looking out for. It's a good film. Mm. You know, it's it's just a it's just a, it's got a nice feel good vibe to it, and um, it's basically a film about you know. A bit of a bit of a bit of an arsehole of a lawyer who sort of like you know finds redemption through 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 uh, volunteering, mm. you know, and it's um, you know, but a- anything that John Larroquette does, I I just love to watch. He's just yeah. a good actor. As for as for the episode they gave us, um, I thought it meant if if it turns out to be a series finale, it was a very effective series finale. Um, it hit all of the right character beats. It gave each of them a moment to shine. Mm-hmm. And it did end with uh, Baird and Flynn, you know, moving up a rung in the, in the library hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, which, which, you know, we were going to have to see at some point anyway. Yeah, I mean, so I, mean it, I, I, I love the, I love the roles that, the, it, that they, they were playing in this uh, world without imagination. You know, like Stone being a used car salesman, Cassandra's working on a factory factory production line, and Ezekiel was a game game show. Yeah, yeah, the only game show there is. Yes. <laughs> and the only game well, show was, there is. There is, yeah. Um, I mean, you know that 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 in itself, gave you know, was using some of the characters' strengths. Yes. Sort of thing. Yes. And I just loved the way that they all came together and they were, they were slowly realising, you know, what their true identities were and, and, and remembering. I thought it was just really well executed and pulled off. Yes, um, yeah. And it was certainly a stronger episode than the one that immediately preceded it because the one that immediately preceded it seemed to be a little bit too similar, um, like you said, to the Moom of Fate. Yes, yeah. You know? And I, and I realize that there are only so many so many plot variations you can do on these shows, but even so, uh, it, it was like they weren't even trying. Mm-hmm. But and, uh, if you if you look at it, is is that that finale, that season finale or series finale, whichever it ends up being, was actually very very similar to the one in which Cassandra ends up in that um, town where nothing goes wrong. Yes. You know, there was, there was quite quite a lot of similar. In, in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like there were level. It was. It's almost like there were levels at which they were on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why the show got burned off the way it did because the first four episodes 
um, aired over the first two weeks. They just, you know, kind of burn. Actually, no, it was the first six episodes over the first three weeks. They just did two episodes a week. I'm wondering if they were just on purpose burning it off in case they decided not to renew it. Um, No, because they did the same last year. Oh, okay. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, they they did the same last year, only it was in like the first four episodes last year. Uh, mm. I think it's because TNT's probably got something else lined up that's going to go in that time slot. Mm. Yeah, and, you know. they're they're getting awful close. They're getting awful close to double booking some of those slots at the rate they're going. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's um, I I've um, overall I've just got to say I've, I've enjoyed the series. Um, I I liked the last episode. Um, what would you give it out of five? Ah, uh, let's see. As a season finale, I would give it a um, I would give it a four. As a series finale, I would give it a four point five. It depends on which it is. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna so like uh, take it as a season finale and just give it a four or five. Mm. Okay, um, that works. You know because if. Um, because we don't know whether it's going to be the series finale or not yet, and we probably no. Not. They Devlin and company don't even know yet. They're waiting. We're so. probably not going to know for another few weeks. But um, I think thing that I came across the other week was uh, Devlin was uh, actually uh, prompting people on Twitter to actually fill out a survey. Um, you know, if in, in the, basically said in the uh, in the feed, um, if you want librarians to come back, you know, please please help us out by filling out this survey. Mm, okay. And, you know, so so I filled out the survey. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll, go, I'll go look for it. I'll see if I can find um, it. You know, but it's, um, it's another thing. Okay, well, we've got a bit more time uh, left. Is there any other TV series you, you want to do a quick review of? Should we do a quick roundup of Black Lightning, considering that it's all like, uh, it's still fairly new? Yeah, let's do a quick roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, based on the first four episodes, which I've reviewed and, and we're switching off and you're going to be reviewing uh for the remainder of the run um it's it's very solid it's it's the best first four episodes of a cw show i've seen since they've came on uh the the writers have obviously at least as of now developed a, a real sense of what that universe is and why it is and how the people are functioning because uh, it feels very organic yeah, and there's already some quite interesting plot developments happening, um, such as um, oh god, what's from that, what's the name of his older daughter now? Oh, uh, Anissa. Anissa, Anissa, who actually discovered her powers and she started doing vigilante things. Um, I thought the, the, I thought it was an interesting plot development that Gamby um, got her on film doing what she was doing, goes to the site of a, of, of a, what, what, where where she was. Um, takes some scans of the um, of, of of the indentation that she's made in the ground and stuff like that, and yet he's keeping the fact that you know that Black Lightning's daughter Anissa has actually got powers from him, and that's go- that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and uh, and how Black Lightning will find out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of two minds about that. One is that he's right to do that because it's on her to tell him, and the other thing is, but. Gamby is the person that he works with the closest, so really shouldn't Gamby tell him. So I mean, I can see I can see both sides of that, mm-hmm. and you know, it's going it's to be interesting to see. You know, what it is is it's going to be this. It's going to be the Black Lightning equivalent of the standard CW keeping secret storyline, which I'm not. I'm looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Um, I'm hoping that the writers are mature enough to at least give us a, a fairly engaging variation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it'll be interesting to see uh, the younger daughter's powers develop because she's got similar powers to Black Lightning, doesn't she? She can shoot energy from herself and... She can shoot energy. In fact, it's it's uh, even more than that. In that, she can not only shoot energy; she can actually become energy. She's uh, she's like live wire. Uh-huh. She's a variation of theme of live wire. Mm. But it's going it's going to be interesting to see her journey towards that. Um, you know, especially given that her boyfriend um, is now content crippled yeah. and. Uh, boyfriend's actually now taking um you know getting his medical bills paid by the um by, by the crime lord i forget yeah name. tobias whale tobias yeah whale. i the one thing i'm looking forward to it is that assuming to, assuming that khalil's not being lied to and then tobias didn't buy off the doctor and that he's actually paralyzed now um we're, i think it's we're finally going to get the semi-permanent or permanent disability storyline that arrow couldn't give us i hope so, so. Yeah, I hope we do. Um, and and perhaps he will develop sort of like psychic abilities and become Professor X, or better still, be something, a, something. Be, I don't know. Become but, a but, but whatever it is, it'll it'll still be better than what Arrow gave us. Because um, the Arrow the Arrow attempt just it still sticks in my cross. Like what the hell was that? The Arrow wasn't even an attempt. Basically, they made a paralyzed for like two episodes, and all of a sudden they put a chip in her back and she's walking. There's actually yeah. you no know, rehab time whatsoever. Yeah, no, it, it, it was weird. It was weird and annoying, and, and I'm hoping that that this is, whatever this is, that it's more more effective, that this is, becomes the storyline that Arrow should have given us, basically. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the um, to, to the next episode, which will be tomorrow night, um, which will be so last week by the time it's uh, on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's um you know it's 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 definitely uh it's definitely a show that I'm sort of like um beginning to embrace. Although I've not got everyone's every character's name indented into my my school yet. No, I, it took me it took me a while to to remember that Leo was the boyfriend. It took me about two or three episodes. I had to constantly look it up when I was doing reviews and whatnot, and. What's interesting to me is that Black Lightning is not a property that was on my radar. I knew about it in a general way, but it, it's not a show that I would have naturally gravitated to if it weren't one of the CW shows. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I'm glad I gravitated to it. I'm glad I I'm glad I you know went a little bit outside my comfort zone because it's as as one of the more uh, grounded approaches. It's quite wonderful. Okay. It's quite wonderful. Well, I think that probably about wraps it up for us this week. Um, so I'd like to thank you as always for you know coming on and uh, and doing the uh, the 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 geeky conversation with us. <laughs> yeah. Um. We we'll be back. Well, I'll be back again next week. Um. We we've actually got another interview coming up uh, from Junior Chambliss, Beyond Impossible. Um. But that's that's coming up soon, and um, I'm trying to um. Uh, to, to sort of like get a few things going on this end as well, um, which I can't really talk about because I don't want to jinx them. But for, for now, uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you want to follow us um, and subscribe to our feed, you can do. Uh, we're on um, iTunes, and you can subscribe to our feed um, on iTunes by just typing in a search for Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. And, um, you know... Once you subscribe to us, that, that's great. If you can encourage your friends to subscribe as well, we'll be really grateful. But that's all for this week, and we'll be back at you um, 
again next week with some more more cool stuff. And also, um, I'd like to point out that uh, my friend Mark's Pyle is starting up um, a new feed for Genre Tainment, which will be on a uh, on, on on Sci-Fi Pulse Radio Network. And um, we'll we'll, we'll let, let you know more about that once um, that actually launches, and and give you the details for that. But for this week, it's bye from us for now. So bye bye.